The Anton Savage Show with Nifty Business on News Talk. Been a busy summer for the DAA. There's the usual challenges with parking. There has been issues to do with people complaining about runway noise. There has been the millions of people pouring through the airport. And most recently, a failed bid to buy a chunk of land that could be viewed as being strategically important, owned by Ulick and Des Machiavelli and a series of other um, uh, partners and co-owners in between the two airport, two runways. With us is Kenny Jacobs, who is Chief Executive of the DAA. Kenny, you're very welcome. Anton, good morning. So this bit of land, first of all, let us begin there. It is it is nestled effectively between the two runways and slightly beyond. Yeah. And you say it's worth 75. They say it's worth 200. If you don't buy it, what happens to it? Um, I don't know. That's a question for for the Machiavellis. Uh, look, it's a good piece of land. Our bid is a very good bit. We've done two independent valuations on the piece of land. I've been out myself twice to walk the land, uh, all three parcels within it. Um, so it's an interesting piece of land. The board of the DA agree that it's an interesting piece of land and we've made a very good and serious bid for it. That bid is based on those two independent valuations with a premium uh, on top. There's uses for the land that we could see. We'd add some remote stands. We would maybe widen some taxiways. We don't see it being a strategic piece of land where we say our development plan and the future development of Dublin Airport is dependent on that land. So a third terminal wouldn't go there at any point in time and that drives the valuation. So it's a very serious bid we've made. Uh, now just I, on the valuation, there are some who might say that when you get a, um, a, an offer versus ask delta of between 70 million and 200 and something million, that the offer is derisory. Absolutely not. The offer is based on two independent valuations uh, that were done by two different firms. Uh, we've looked at it for, you know, over over a long period. As I said, I've been out twice myself and it's a very good offer. Now, look, if they have an offer for 210, um, good luck to them. They're, they're in a, a very good place. And um, what can be done with the land from a private perspective? Because Dublin Airport for, uh, for a long time has had extremely large red zones that limit the amount of, of building that can go on within the area. And I assume this is smack bang in the yeah. reddest of the red zones. Yeah. Not a lot can be done. Um, you know, the Machiavellis have owned this land for 30 years. If 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 it was really so strategic, I'm sure something would have been done with it in that 30-year period. So I don't think it suddenly becomes massively important to the state because they want to sell it. Uh, if it was, something would have happened with the land up to now. I think we're the best owners for the land. We will do something with the land. The offer that we've made is a very serious offer. It's a value-based offer. Um, if they come back and are interested in our offer, that's um, that's up to them. Have you not bigger fish to fry with your capital? Because there's been a lot of talk about um, Terminal 1 creaking a little and, and looking somewhat aged. There's been a lot of talk about the pressures on parking mm. and how crowded and how generally messy Dublin Airport is. Is that not where the capital should be being deployed? You're absolutely right. And that's why, and that's where our focus is. So in the coming seven years, we have a capital programme of, of 2 billion as we want to grow Dublin Airport from 32 to 40 million. That's a big, big overhaul of Terminal 1. That's a big extension in Terminal 2. That's adding uh, piers. That's adding stands. You know, we've added the new runway. Now comes the piers, the stands and big improvement to the two terminals, big improvement uh, at the outside of the airport to allow more public transport to come. And you're right, that's where our focus is. The con- the Machiavelli land in that context is not the biggest thing for us. You know, we we want it, we've made a serious bid, but more, much more interesting and important uh, for Dublin Airport and for Ireland is that infrastructure application and all those elements that go with it. How do you put that much into the infrastructure and keep to your target of being, I think your phrase was the Lidl and Aldi of airports. You want to be low cost. That tends to mean low investment. Um, yeah, the look, the... W- w- 
we think we can do both. It's hard and it's challenging. What makes it hard and challenging is the very low charges that are regulated. Now, some people will say Dublin Airport is a monopoly. We're absolutely not a monopoly. If we were, we'd be a bad one because the charges are just too low. Just yesterday, it was announced by the regulator in the UK that Heathrow can now charge up to 50 euros for every passenger. You know, we're capped at around less than eight euros. And that makes it difficult uh, to really drive the infrastructure program that we want to have. It also makes it difficult to give passengers the service that we want to give. You know, this summer, uh, 95% of passengers got through security in 20 minutes. I think everybody would agree Dublin Airport uh, and Cork Airport have had a very good summer. We want that to continue. Me personally, I would love to bring the security target down to less than 15 minutes. Um, the low charges that we have make it difficult to do that. Thankfully, the infrastructure investment is slightly separate from that. And we do have a big, big infrastructure program. Now explain to me, when you talk about infrastructure, yeah. do you mean the kind of things like security check-in and speed through the terminal? Or do you mean the quality of the offer and the experience for the travelling public? I mean both. So infrastructure, I think, will drive a lot of the passenger improvements that we have. So if you take Terminal 1, uh, which is tired, and we do want to make changes to Terminal 1, there are big infrastructure changes. So there'll be a big extension at Terminal 1, which will add new piers and stands. But there'll also be things within the current year that we want to improve. So there's kind of light touch infrastructure, which would be improvements that passengers will see and benefit from straight away. And then there's the much bigger pieces that you do to add capacity. And how do you justify the ones that are to do with um, passenger experience? Because I assume, I mean, you are you are always, of course, associated with your uh, previous employer, which has made such a success of keeping costs everywhere to the bare minimum and stripping things down to the bare minimum. So do you not look at Dublin Airport and say, look, there is a whole load of frippery like the Loop and Terminal 2 and all that stuff that we could do without. We just get people to the planes fast. Our mission is to get people to the planes fast. I would love any airport in Dublin Airport to be essentially a fast and friendly flight processing factory. Our job is to get you through the terminal with a smile on your face, put a coffee in your hand, some food in your hand, do some shopping. I love the loop and T2 and get you to the gate uh, in a, you know, ahead of time and get you onto the aircraft. That's our job. And it's a very simple process that we that we have to execute. There's plenty of things that we can do to improve that. You know, it's a busy airport. Uh, it's a very busy first wave. Uh, things like adding more seats, things like improving the air conditioning, things like improving the, the Wi-Fi, things like adding extra toilets, things like adding extra food and beverage outlets. There's always things to do to improve an airport. It's a big, big, uh, it's a big, big retail outlet with a, with a runway attached. But presumably as well, you were incentivized to milk every possible outlet by which you can earn money, whether that means getting people to pay for standing or for waiting in the car parks, whether it means long-term car park fees, all of that. How do you draw the line at which you say it is unreasonable because there is an element of public service to being an airport that there isn't to being in a commercial airline or is it your view to say, no, no, we will screw every penny out of everyone we can? Uh, no, we, do, we don't have that philosophy. Look, we are a ultra-low-cost airport that's driven by the regulated charge. So, so that's good. That's why the airlines love coming to Dublin Airport because they just clean up. Okay. Okay. Uh, we have aero revenue, which is the charges. Then we have all the other stuff. And on all the other stuff, of course, we want to do a good job of, of, of making, uh, you know, of driving that top line by selling you coffee, by selling you pints of Guinness, by selling you breakfast in the morning, all those things. We, we do a good job on that and we want to continue to do that. But that's also responding to passenger demand. People come to airports and they want to do those things. You know, if you're going on your holidays, you're going on a business trip, people want fast track, they want extra lounge seats. All those things we're going to do, all those things we make money from, that's great because we need to make money from those things because the charges are so low. 
Where do you position yourself then long term strategically? Is the objective for Dublin to be the prime airport within Ireland or is it to be one of the major European hubs a la Heathrow Frankfurt? Yeah, Dublin is already Ireland's airport. So, you know, people from all 32 counties use Dublin Airport every day. Um, you know, 52% of the jobs supported by Dublin Airport are outside of Dublin County. So I think Dublin Airport is already the national airport. Uh, Dublin Airport is already the fifth best hub in Europe connected to the US. So it I think it's both. It's continued to be the national airport and it's really developed that hub piece so that we get, you know, get Aer Lingus expanding, get new American airlines in and get them adding new routes. We've recently announced that Denver and Minneapolis will be added as new routes. So I think it's playing both those things. You've got two different terminals. We'll always have a significant short haul network into Europe, but it is really responding to that big, big transatlantic demand that's there and making Terminal 2 a fantastic hub for all our airline our airline customers like Aer Lingus um, and adding new routes. You know, there's 90,000 Brazilians living in Dublin. Uh, I'd love us to connect Dublin to Sao Paulo. That would be a great route. We don't have Dublin connected to India. There's plenty of places in the Middle East and Southeast Asia that we can uh, that we can expand to. There is a long way to go though in terms of the quality of the offer, isn't there? I mean, when you look at, uh, even if you look at airports that are associated with being a nasty customer experience, I mean, you take a Newark, mm. In a Pepsi challenge, Dublin doesn't come out very well, even against a Newark. Uh, I totally disagree. Uh, this summer, this summer, passengers who've flown from Dublin Airport say it's uh, two and a half times better than last summer. Now, that's not the best comparison. But generally, I think, look, Dublin Airport, and there's a great team at Dublin Airport that are very dedicated to getting passengers through. It's a very efficient experience. It's a very good and friendly airport. We will make it better. Uh, and every year we'll continue to look for the improvements that we want to that we want to make to the passenger experience. So look, there's always room to improve, but I think we've had a very good summer. It's not over yet. We want to build on that through the autumn and winter and next summer give people an even better experience. The low charges do hold back the investments that we would like to make uh, in the airport. So I'll keep talking about that one. What about drones? Have you finally got that boxed off or is that going to linger on? Uh, I hope they don't linger anywhere near the airfield. Uh, we've got the technology. There's two parts of the technologies. There's the perimeter protection system, which we've had for a number of years. Uh, we've now also got the, the drone gun, if you want to call it that, which is the piece of kit that can you know, take control of a drone and send it back where it came from. So we've been ready to go since the end of April. We've now gotten all... Sorry, that is metaphoric. It sends it back electronically, not using bullets. Not not using bullets. So it takes control of the drone and will send it back to the person controlling the drone. And then we uh, get on the phone to Angarda Shikona and they follow the drone to, to the household and, and ask that person, were you doing this maliciously? So I think we've got the appropriate protections now in place. I hope we don't see malicious droners back near the airfield. Everybody should remember that you can't operate a drone within five kilometres of any airport, not just Dublin Airport. It's not safe to do that. But the only problem with that in rule in terms of Dublin Airport is that five kilometres in Dublin Airport puts you through most of Finglas, most of Ballymun, huge chunks of swords, a lot of Donabate. Like, that's a huge catchment that you can't fly drones in. It's a huge catchment on a lovely coast and I would say to any droner and I drone myself, just go to go to Sutton, go to Malahide and, 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 and beyond and do it there. Just don't do it near the airport. Tell me about your experience personally uh, being Chief Executive mm. of Dublin Airport because you moved from Ryanair, which is renowned for not overly sweating its relationship with broader stakeholders, to a situation where you are dependent on mm. the airline stakeholders, the political system, mm. all the rest of it. Has it been a cultural shock to you? Uh, no, not a shock. I love it. I love the job. It's really, really interesting. I, I love aviation and there's a big, big crossover between the airline side and the airport side. Yeah, you've you've got one big, you know, two big immovable assets in our case, Dublin and Cork 
York Airport and the airlines come and go. It's a lot of the same regulation on safety, a lot of the same regulation on security, but it's a really interesting role. Yeah, you have to work the system. Uh, in in a wider way. So Fingal County Council, who we have a very good relationship with, Anchor the Noise Regulator, who we have a very good relationship with, uh, and ultimately we are owned um, by the Minister for Transport. So, no, look, it's really interesting. Travel, I love. It's a really fascinating business. Um, it, we're a big, big operation. We're an airport operator. So it's just about that daily grind of every day getting the first wave flights away, making sure everyone's on time, getting people through security and not overcomplicating it. But it's a great business. As Chief Executive of, of the DA, I recognise it is it is inappropriate to ask you about specific airlines. But in this instance, let's have a go. Ryanair, of course, you were previously the Chief Marketing Officer. This week, we saw Michael O'Leary get enthusiastically pied in Brussels. And in a very Ryanair way, they flipped it almost immediately into a, a series of social media ads. Putting on your hat as former Chief Marketing Officer, was it a setup? Absolutely not. Um, I, mean, I, I mean, look, it was interesting. I think was their, their, their response was really interesting. I think the most important thing was what Michael was holding rather than what the pie, the pyres were holding. I mean, he was going to Brussels with, I think, 1.5 million signatures on uh, a, a, an appeal uh, for a single European sky, which would stop French air traffic controllers, uh, you know, bringing sometimes bringing, uh, you know, issues to uh, to flights taking off on time. So I think that's the most important thing. I think he responded to it very, very well. I think if they Did were... Did a little bit of you think, I wish I'd pied him during my time. Uh, uh, could have so killed two horses. Uh, at least <laughs> once a week, Anton, at least once a week. Kenny, thank you very much for coming in. That is Kenny Jacobs, who is the Chief Executive of the Dublin Airport Authority, which of course is responsible for both Cork Airports and uh, Dublin Airport. If there's anything, you, oh sorry, just before I let you go, um, Kenny, a text saying, can you ask the DA about their plans for Cork? If they invest in Cork, it could take the pressure off Dublin. That It is remiss of me to let you go without asking about it. And, and as a Corkonian, absolutely. Uh, look, we've got big plans for Cork Airport. Cork Airport is fantastic. This year it'll do about 2.7 million passengers. I'd love to get Cork Airport to beyond 4 million. So we are planning uh, either an extension or to do some work inside the terminal that will allow us to really add capacity, add the new security lanes that we want to have. But there, and are you, constra- are you constrained by runway no, length in Cork? No, we're not. No. We have plenty of runway capacity, no restrictions in Cork Airport. I'm a big, big fan of the government investing in Cork to grow the population. If the population grows, demand grows, Cork Airport could be a 5 million airport before we know it and that would be fantastic. And you can take in the big long haul jets, you can take in 777s. We can, we can, we can take everything. I think people will always talk about Cork, New York and get excited. I would say Cork connected to every European capital all year round, not just for the summer, is the best way to develop the Cork network, but it's a fantastic airport and it can really grow significantly over the next number of years and that's great for the south of Ireland. Kenny Jacobs, thanks again. The Anton Savage Show with Nifty Business Saturday morning at 9 on News Talk.